Have you struggled to get everything done? Have you looked for every trick to be more productive? How much do you really understand about how productivity really works? This is Crushing the Clock, a podcast where we explore the nature of productivity so you can actually get back your time and energy, making a difference in both your personal and professional lives. We're all constantly battling to try to finish things more quickly, but at the same time, we're swamped with even more work that needs to get done. And so getting more things done in less time almost seems like an impossible feat. And an additional complication is balancing between personal and work life. But as people constantly fight to find this balance, experts are arguing that implementing the right strategies is the best solution to all this pressure. And of course, there's all kinds of different strategies and tactics and all those different things that we can look at. And we've explored several different possibilities on this podcast so far. There's a lot more that we haven't even touched on. Well, today we get to talk with Paul Casey, who is the founder and CEO of Growing Forward, which is a leadership and life coaching business. He talks about his book, Maximizing Every Minute. Now, specifically, he's going to join the podcast to share more about 101 tips and tools on time management for your work and personal life. Now, while I say that, we're not going to go through 101 different tips, but there are definitely a lot of tips that he shares in here. He goes through 12 commitments, filtering time commitments, and being able to front load priorities and this idea of multitasking as well as trying to look at your own biorhythm, trying to see what fits you as an individual. And there's some other things too that we get into. And so I'm definitely excited to be able to share this conversation that I had with Paul Casey. So Growing Forward Services is a leadership and life coaching business. So I do one-to-one and teams or groups also do team building, offsite retreats, which sort of went downhill in COVID, of course, but I can't wait for them to bounce back where we can mm-hmm. do strategic planning and relationship building. And then the third leg of the stool is training, seminars, workshops, lunch and learns on about 20 to 25 soft skills. Well, very good. So last year you wrote the book, Maximizing Every Minute. So what exactly does that mean and what can we take away from that? Maximizing every minute is sort of a compendium, just like that word, of all of the tips and tools that I have learned over 20 to 30 years of accumulating time management tips. I remember walking into my boss's office when I was a very young leader and he his desk looked like a bomb went off in it. And, you know, being sort of a little bit OCD person, I went and can I organize your office when you're at your conference? He goes, yeah, go ahead and do that. So I came back and he came back to all these piles of memos. It was the day of memos and things to read and, <laughs> you know, approvals to sign off on. And there was a little document in there called the Organized Executive. I don't even know if it still exists. I should have Googled it before we got on the line today, but it was full of time management tips. And I started adopting one at a time, just seeing if it worked for me. And that started this lifelong journey of trying to get a little bit more efficient, a little bit more productive. And after accumulating that for so many years, I thought I'm going to put it all into one book, but I'm not going to make it huge. I'm going to just get very pithy sort of 101 version that you could adopt these little tips. So maximizing every minute is 
it's written in almost just uh, like a few paragraphs on each time management tip. It's not based on chapters. It's just on sections. Okay, excellent. So you said there's 12 things in there. Just real quick, can you be able to hit what those 12 are and then see if we can delve into a couple of those? Absolutely. Actually, since writing the book, I even narrowed it down to these 12 uh, commitments of an effective time manager. And so the first one is filtering your time commitments through the lens of your core values and your vision, whether that's a one-year vision or a long-range vision. Number two is choosing your top three priorities for tomorrow before you are done with today. The third one is to accomplish your priorities early in the day to avoid procrastination. So front loading those priorities into the morning if possible. The fourth one is to block out appointments with yourself to accomplish those priorities, the concept of time blocking. The fifth one is to finish one task before starting another. I know it sounds like a duh, but this is the bane of multitasking. Number six is to follow your biorhythm so that you're most productive in your energy sweet spot of the day. Seven is to delegate or outsource anything that only you must do. Try to just stay on the most important things of your day. Number eight is to utilize strategies and boundaries to limit the negative side effects of side trackers, be things that get you off in the weeds, which could be your paperwork, your email, technology, interrupting people. Number nine is building margins and breaks into your day because like I said, I can be a little OCD with this stuff. So you look at my calendar, you might get a little nauseous, but you'll see that there's breaks built in in my day. Number 10 is to lead your meetings well. A lot of people that I get the privilege of coaching are in a lot of meetings and a lot of them say how unproductive those meetings are. So staying on time and staying on track. 11 is to share your priorities with other people. We all need accountability to be at the tip-top shape of being a great entrepreneur or business leader or manager. And then number 12 is to do reviews regularly, whether that's a daily review, then you upgrade to a weekly review, then a monthly or quarterly review, and then an annual review. So those are the 12, Josh. Yeah, definitely a lot of really good things to be able to keep in mind. And even just right off the bat here, I would recommend someone to go grab your book so they can be able to be able to get that. But for now, let's just go ahead and dive into a couple of those that really kind of piqued my interest as you were reading that off. And so first of all, filtering your time commitments. Go ahead and elaborate a little bit more on that and the importance of doing that. Yeah, what's interesting in my seminars that I give on time management, which I believe is sort of a misnomer and probably some of your guests have shared this along the way, right? It's more energy management, but time management still is that buzz out there that gets people to sign up for things. <laughs> but we all have the same amount of time in a day. And I think that people wanna dive into the tips and tricks right away and they skip over this very fundamental point, which is managing your life around your values and your vision. So really getting uh, real again with your five top core values. Of course, you can do a values identification or rediscovery activity, or you rank them down to your top five out of a list of 40 or 50 words. And it's sort of agonizing because you don't want to throw away any of those values and you're not, but you're trying to get down to those big ones, the ones that you would die for almost. You wouldn't be in a relationship or you wouldn't be in a job where someone didn't support you in those values. You've got to get those into your schedule first instead of just giving the people you love and the things that are most important to you, the leftovers. My wife doesn't like leftovers in the fridge and she also doesn't like leftovers of my time. So we have to get those values in your calendar and literally block those out first and then let the rest of your day schedule around those. 
The second piece of that is your vision. And this is your long-range vision of where you want to be someday, where you want your business to get to. This is your team fully formed and humming on all cylinders. And I like to break that down with clients just to your one-year vision. Like, where do you want to be one year from today in all the categories of your life, your wellness, your relationships, your marketing, all those different kinds of things. Give yourself a target to shoot for, and then you're going to backtrack from that into setting goals that will get you there. Those things have to go into your calendar first as well, or else they also get the leftovers. Yeah, I think that's a really important thing. And I think conceptually, pretty much everybody kind of knows that, but it can be difficult to do because we kind of get stuck just kind of like, well, this is just something I have to do. And this is something I have to go through. And and we don't take the time to really prioritize it and and then to sometimes it can be difficult to make those values a priority and actually implement that into our life. And so I think that's one of the things that I've noticed, at least with myself from time to time, where it's like, okay, I have to do this for now, but maybe I need to evaluate. And it's like, okay, going forward, this is where I need to draw the line. Yeah, so good. And like I said, otherwise it doesn't happen. And then you live in this state of dissonance, which is like a musical term, like, ah, uh, and then, ah, uh, mm. and you're just like, Ugh. you couldn't listen to a song that was a little bit off. Well, if you're running your life a little bit off of those core values, like let's say family is one of your core values, which is for a lot of people. And then you come home from work and you pop open your laptop and you ignore your family all night. You're living a little bit off of those values that you say are important to you. And there's just a little bit either guilt inside of you or like, man, I know I need to spend time with my kids. I know I need to uh, have a date night with my significant other, right? So I think it's very, very important to put those into your schedule. Yeah, that was really difficult for about two years. I was work from home completely. It was before COVID hit. So like uh, 2019, 2020. And so I was already established into working from home when all that took place. But one of the problems that I had was being able to create that separation between work life and home life, because it's only a couple steps physically in between that. And it's very easy to be able to do that. And that was one of the complications that my wife and I talked about that. It's like every time that she was here, it's like, oh, I got to go do this. I got to go do that. And I didn't have those boundaries to be able to draw that line. Now, toward the end, it was getting, I think, a little bit better. But yeah, definitely something that's really important for us to be able to do that. Definitely. That working from home is, was really difficult too, because I would meet a lot of clients here locally in my area in a coffee shop or at their place of business or in my other office, which now I don't even rent anymore because I don't need to. But yeah, when you're at home all day, my wife loved it because I was home and she would see me more often. But yeah, then there's always that temptation to strike up another conversation and derail the productivity block you know, that I'd set up. So basically the door being closed was the official sign <laughs> that I am in work, you you know, deep work mode or with a client mode. And when the door was open, then that was free to interrupt. So it had to just, we had to come up with those systems, didn't we, Josh? You know, mm -hmm. this new reality. Yeah. And then you throw in kids and that's a whole other, <laughs> whole other thing. But I don't think we have enough time on this podcast to be able to delve into all of those pieces at this time. But yeah, definitely some work conversation and really taking that time to prioritize, I think is definitely very important. But one of the other things that you mentioned that and maybe would even help with with some of this part here but is being able to then take those priorities that you've laid out and you mentioned about front loading those so go ahead and explain that a little bit more and how that can actually look 
I heard a quote once, Josh, that said, afternoons are runaway trains. And I love that quote because it's so true. If we don't front load our priorities into the morning, we've all done this, right? If you've got Outlook or Google Calendar and you just take that thing that we set as a priority and we drag it into later in the day, like, I just don't feel like that right now. And then the afternoon comes and uh, one of your family members needs to go to the doctor or your boss comes into your office and says, you know, I need this by end, close of business today. And you're like, shoot, now I don't have enough time to get my priorities done because there's no margin left. So if we get it done early in the day, then it starts off this snowball of productivity, I think, for the rest of the day. And you don't just get your big three done for the day, which I think is the minimum, like, I have to get these three things done or I will feel like a failure today. I got to get these three. Then I get four and five and six and seven things done. Whereas if I drag it to the afternoon, I may get the three, but usually not. And then I procrastinate yet again and it goes into the next day and I feel like loser. I ah, Now I've double stacked tomorrow and made that day undoable. Yeah, I have definitely noticed that as well because unfortunately a lot of times like the important things that we need to get done are sometimes the more complicated. Oh yeah. More difficult for one reason yeah. or another. Maybe it's a mental thing to where it's like, you know, it's going to take a lot of mental energy to be able to go through and do it or maybe it's a difficult conversation that you don't not looking forward to it because most people don't like confrontation and so we try to put that off for different reasons but like you said it's like once you do that then it's like a, a load lifted off which then makes it easier to be able to do the rest of them and so i've definitely experienced that in several cases when i make sure to prioritize that and get it done early yeah there's a great illustration of this i can't remember what book i read it but in the prairies of i think wyoming or colorado the buffalo and so mm. Cows versus buffaloes. They say when a storm comes over the mountains, cows run away from the storm. They're just like, you know, I got to get away from the storm. And meanwhile, the storm stays with them because they're going about the same pace. A buffalo will turn and put their head into the storm and like get it over with. They'll just be like, you know, I'm just going to endure this bad weather for a few minutes. And then the storm goes past and they're sitting pretty. I love that illustration for getting your most difficult tasks done. Like, all right, I got to return that customer complaint phone call, like you said, or the have that difficult conversation or get that technical discussion or fix that computer problem that I have, everything's going to be better after that if I can just get over this obstacle and bang it out. Yeah. One of the things between me and my wife is I hate being able to make phone calls to whatever, to, to businesses about bills or setting up appointments, uh -huh. or I don't like making those calls. I don't know what it is about it. They're not hard. They're not difficult, but I put it off and put it off and put it off. And so finally I do it. And it's like, well, that wasn't that bad. <laughs> <laughs> we play it up in our mind too big. Yeah. right? <laughs> and it didn't take that long either. I mean, so and now there's every once in a while where it's like, I call and it's like, okay, can you please hold? And then you're on hold for 30 minutes because whatever. <laughs> Definitely front loading it is very good. And then you kind of alluded there to like, like when you get that one done, then you can get the next one and the next one, the next one. So that led to one of the other things you mentioned about finishing one task before starting the next one. And I think that is a really difficult thing for people to really get a hold of. Yeah. You know, I think you have a problem with this if you have too many tabs open on the top of your computer, right? Everyone can quickly look at their computer and go, how many, are they so small that there's just one letter? You know, <laughs> I even learned from a, a client that after you fill up the entire top, it starts going vertical on your screen. I didn't even know that. That's how many tabs this guy had open. 
<laughs> so finishing the reason we do this right is we're like oh we're gonna go back to that we're gonna finish that or i haven't bookmarked that one yet or and then we don't and then our computer reboots and we want to scream like ah oh, no where was i on that so it would be way better to finish that task close the tab right or finish your top priority so you feel done like you brought something to the finish line which is the best feeling in the world for productivity people like we love crossing things off our list don't we josh right it's like mm-hmm. those, the endorphin rush that goes ah you know as i cross something off a list and you know some of your listeners are probably like me you'll put something on your list after you've done it just to cross it off to feel like i got something done today yeah i have done that before <laughs> or added into my calendar it's like okay this is a part of that for me too is i just like to try to be able to track my what i actually do and so like if i like i have something on my calendar or maybe i don't actually do that but i do this other thing instead or the previous thing took too long i'll adjust my calendar to do that so that when I do go back to review, I can see what I actually did. But yeah, this idea of finishing a task, there's several things that come to my mind as you were describing that is, first of all, you said the feeling. You'll be able to get that feeling of accomplishment, which then helps be able to feel you to be able to go and do the next thing. And that also like frees your mind because now you don't have to think about that last task because it's already done. And so then that clears you up to be able to focus on the next one mm. as well. Oh, that's so good. Yeah. And multitasking, you know, if we think multitasking is going to be great because we're kind of, we're going to spin all these plates at the same time. And all the research that I read on that, and I think there's even more and more research coming out. It's just a bad deal, right? It's like messing up two things at once. That's, that's one <laughs> definition of multitasking. The old proverb that says, you know, he who chases two rabbits catches neither. And so we just don't feel like we've gotten anything done. And the interruption of task switching it takes, some research says, takes between 11 and 20 minutes to return to your frame of thought when you get interrupted or try to do something else. Can you imagine if you keep switching all day long, multiply that times, let's say 15 minutes, how much time you're actually wasting in deep work? Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. And I also think of it in this fashion, say that you do five different things in one day and you only accomplish 20% of each one for for, for like basically a total of 100%. So what's your feeling of doing five things at 20% versus doing one thing at 100%. Yeah, maybe you get a lot of little things started, but you never get it finished. And I know for me, like if I'm cleaning a room or something like that in our house, and it's like, if we get it partway done, it doesn't feel that there's no accomplishment there, even though we spent whatever, 30 minutes, an hour or whatever, trying to clean up the living room. But if we don't finish it, it's still gonna look like a mess because it's not completed and there's not that resolution. Yeah, good point because like even my book and I've written now four published my fifth book and the last steps of that book are the stinking hardest to finish. It's like the cover design, the about page, the, uh, you know, like the what to do next page, a call to action, the back cover testimonials. Literally my last book that I just got out I think it took six or seven months just to finish up all that little cleanup stuff. The book was done. People were not able to read it because I hadn't brought it to the finish line. So I think you're right, Josh. You said it too. Your brain has to hold all those unfinished tasks in it. And I know that's why people use uh, you know, sticky notes and whiteboards and you know, task lists because they've got to get it out of their brain and onto paper. But wouldn't it be better just to finish it? Yeah, absolutely. There really is something to that sense of accomplishment. You finish something, it's done, and that's a load off. I don't know how else to describe it right now. And so, but I think we all understand what that feels like when we reach it. And 
for some reason, it's like when we're in the middle of doing something, we forget that. And our brain at the moment is like, I don't want to do this thing. I just want to stop. And you think that the stopping is going to bring you that relief, but it doesn't because the problem is still there. And so, yeah, it's kind of a catch 22 in that kind of situation. So you need to get yourself out of the moment, I guess, in some ways, just to be able to get it done and then accomplish that. One of the other things that you mentioned, which to me seems like it could be maybe contradictory to one of the other things that you said before about front-loading priorities, and that is with the biorhythm, so kind of working with your energy. So I can see someone that is, they say, well, I'm not a morning person. And so it's like, well, I don't want to do stuff in the morning because I'm not awake yet. My brain is not functioning or, or whatever. And so what, I mean, can you explain a little bit more what you mean by the biorhythm? And then maybe that can clear up some of the contradiction. Yeah. And by the way, all time management tips, they don't fit for everybody. These are the ones that I, I found have fit for the most people, but you're right. What if you're a night owl? You know, you're an entrepreneur and you're a night owl. So you don't really have to go to a day job at eight o'clock in the morning where a boss is expecting you to sit down at your desk and do work. So if you are one of those night owls, maybe you're an afternoon person. I actually like afternoons, like a good one o'clock meeting, like woohoo. Not too many people are like that, but sometimes it takes that long to ramp up. And after that, it's all downhill. But yeah, we have we have different biorhythms, chronotypes, I think is another word, where, where you're freshest in your day. And what you know what I would do? I would say if when you figure that out, where you figure out where I can do my best work, that's where you put your creative tasks and you put your critical thinking tasks. Letting you off the hook a little bit if you are an afternoon person or an evening person, if you truly do your best deep work at those times. And so then maybe you're going to move your day around a little bit differently, but you're still going to have to protect with time blocking those sweet spots in your day by closing your door or putting do not disturb on, or else you're still going to fall victim to the procrastination of, oh, it's near the end of the day and some people still need stuff from me. Does that make sense? Yeah, definitely. I tend to be a more of a morning person myself. And so that concept never had any conflict in my mind. And so it's like, I understand that. And I just tend to be the type of person where it's like, I want to be able to get the stuff done before. And so kind of like get the work done before play. Mm -hmm. I have that kind of mentality where it's like, let me try to get that stuff done early because I know how I get that I'm going to run out of energy and then I'm not going to want to do anything. So yeah. But I know that there are definitely other people. Yeah, who wants to start a project? Yeah, my son, he's a teenager. So I don't know if it's because he's a teenager or that he's just kind of developed into this. But he's more of an afternoon person with being able to get things done in the morning. He's not as motivated to get things done. So it's kind of a struggle because I'm like, no, we need to get this done now. This is when we have to do it. And he's like, eh. <laughs> <laughs> right. But for most of us, who wants to start a project at 3 or 4 p.m., right? Like a really critical priority. You're just like, Ugh, you know, I just don't want to do that. So by you getting at it early, you're reducing the chances of procrastination and you're going to have that great feeling. Like I don't have to get up in the morning as an entrepreneur, but I've made myself into more of a morning person because I know the benefits greatly outweigh that little bit of pushing off that task. Absolutely. So I really love this conversation. And so it helps us be able to look at I mean, there's definitely like little tips and tricks and things like that, that the very practical things, but just from a conceptual standpoint, more of a strategic standpoint, 
being able to look at this and see how we can really use our time. But in our conversation, we've touched on a lot of things that play into that, and that is our energy matters and Mm -hmm. what time we have the energy during the day and being able to think through the priorities and doing that mental work to figure that part out. And that makes it easier when, when you put all that together to be able to do this. And one concept that we kind of touched about, and that is not so much the time management, but the priority management. And I think that's like a really important thing for people to grab a hold of. Yeah. And there's a simple little worksheet you could do maybe just one time and it'll crystallize in your mind. You just basically put your tasks on one column, then you put a column in the middle that's urgency. Then you put a third column that is importance. And then a last column, which is the total. And you take your task, like manage email. How important is that for my success to my business or for my job description or my performance review to get that task done every day on a scale of one to 10? Then you do it for uh, urgency. How soon and must I get this done in order to be successful? Give that a scale one to 10, multiply those two together, you get a total. And when you work through your top 10 tasks that way, you'll see that not every task is equal. There are priorities that you must decide to move to the top of your day. So then you re-rank you know, by those priorities and those become your big three for the day. If you just do that one time, because you're not going to do that every day, you that would be exhausting. But you'll start mentally, you know, figuring that out. Then you'll be like, okay, I'm going to keep re-ranking my priorities, which what goes in those top three that I need to get done. And that will help you know how to hit the ground tomorrow with, all right, I know what I'm going to do. And off I go. Yeah, I really like that. And I would almost add another column, not, not to complicate things more, but maybe add another column that ranks the energy that it takes to be able to do that as well. And maybe that's not necessarily going into like ranking the priority, like maybe looking at, okay, where do I need to actually place this in my day as far as like the energy it takes? Ooh, that's so good. Yeah, you could actually play with whatever you want at the top of those columns, right? I think you had on a guest that talked about Rory Vaden. I don't know if he was on your show or you talked about, but he talks about a third column, like a Z axis of significance, right? Like, you know, what's the impact of this task long range? Ooh, I like that so much. It would screw up the math, you know, to have three columns, but, (laughs) (laughs) but you know, you can make whatever you want in those columns. Just, you have to have some tool for ranking those priorities. Cause when I look at my to-do list, it becomes an, I don't want to do list, right? I just look at that and go, nope, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. Oh, I'm going to pick the easy thing, the fun thing, right? And just get something crossed off. And that's not how we accomplish great things. Yeah, definitely. And yes, I I did have him on, but it was a different podcast that I had him on. Ah, okay. And I shared part of that conversation in there. But yeah, definitely. And I love that book too. So good. Yeah. So definitely would recommend that one as well. But yeah, so I think that's a, a really important thing for us to be able to really do that. And people like to just jump into doing the tasks. They don't take the time to, they think it's going to take, that's going to be a detriment if they take the time to think through stuff before actually doing it, but they're actually setting themselves up for failure if they don't do that. And all they do is just, oh, this is what I need to do. And they just jump in and do it without thinking through, is this the most important thing that I should be doing and different things like that. Because as well, when you think through the tasks that you need to do, you can be able to be able to plan for the things that you need so you can get the stuff that you need when you get started. 
Oh, that's so good. That's being proactive. You know, the old Stephen Covey habit of being proactive versus reactive, which is I'm just going to hit whatever hits, you know, my legal pad, I have to do it. Whatever is coming in through my email is now my to-do list. It just feels so much better to be proactive. That's why I really promote the concept of the daily review preview at the end of the day. The last 30 minutes of your day before you shut your light off at home or before you drive home from work, you stop what you're doing and you think about your top priorities for tomorrow your big three. What that does is it allows you to have a hard stop in today, which helps your work-life balance, but it also gives you a plan in tomorrow to hit the ground running of what truly is most important. I'm not going to go for the easy and the convenient and the fun. I'm going to actually go for the things that matter most. And another benefit, your brain works on problems while you sleep, your subconscious mind. So you may wake up in the shower and go, I know what I'm going to do on that project today. And uh, of course, the shower is the only place we actually have white space to think (laughs) That doesn't have noise, but uh, it's also because our brain's been thinking about it all night. Yeah. I think that's a really good point there about like in the shower, because that's when we stop our, I mean, we're doing a task, obviously we're washing ourselves, but it's a regular routine thing. I would think most people, they're not actively thinking about everything that they're doing because it's just kind of a normal thing. And so Mm -hmm. our brains are free to be able to just think through different things and I mean, obviously, that's a good place to be able to do that, but I think it's good to be able to have a time, as you were saying, daily, weekly, to be able to think through the tasks that we have and be able to do that. Give us that space to be able to allow our brains to be able to think through those. I think that's a really important thing. It is. And when you get good at that, like I mentioned, my last tip, you know, then you do a weekly preview where you sum up this week, celebrate your wins. I have a whiteboard right in front of me. It has all my wins on it from the week, which uh, being a a solopreneur, you know, I'm a one man show. So this helps me celebrate with myself (laughs) because I don't have a large team. And then it helps me look at next week and just sort of go off over the top of the week. What are my appointments? What are my tasks? Oh, that day's undoable. Oop, I've double booked myself on that day. And I can go into the weekend then with more peace of mind as well. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I really appreciate the time that you took to be able to write the book, but also to be able to come onto the podcast to be able to share these different things. And we're just kind of scratching the surface in a lot of these areas as well. So definitely recommend people to get the book. So where would be the best place that you would say that people can be able to do to get that? I'd say go over to my website. I just got a a rebrand of my website. So I'm pretty excited about that. It's growingforwardservices.net growingforwardservices.net and uh, go to the store if you'd like to get that book or any of the other little books that I've written. And then I also have a free gift that I would love to give your listeners, uh, Josh, and that would be if you want to get started on this time management journey and you just want to like, all right, I just need step one, Paul, what do I do? I've got a control my calendar checklist for you to get your journey started. It's free. Just go to takebackmycalendar.com, takebackmycalendar.com. Dot com and then you'll get that free control my calendar checklist. Excellent. Excellent. I really appreciate that. And I will make sure to have links to those as well. That way people can just swipe over in their show notes and be able to get that. So I appreciate it. Thank you for taking the time to join us today. It was a lot of fun, Josh. Make sure to follow or subscribe to this podcast in your podcast player of choice. So you don't miss an episode. If you have any questions or comments, or you want more productivity resources, visit crushingtheclock.com. I would love to hear from you. And I'll catch you on the next episode of Crushing the Clock.